Hello, welcome to Knowledge on the Go, the podcast brought to you by the Performance Improvement Collaboratives and Knowledge Transfer Teams at Vizient. I'm Carolyn Helfenstein, Senior Director of Knowledge Transfer and your program host. Today, we're having an in-depth discussion on transitions of care, how perceptions of clinicians and patients can affect readmissions, and by correcting these perceptions, readmissions can be reduced and a greater understanding and partnership along the continuum of care can be enhanced. So I'm going to start with the perceptions of the acute care clinician. Anna Mola is the Director of Care Transitions and Population Health Management at NYU Langone Health. So their perception was that everything that we do in the hospital, close to everything that we do in the hospital in terms of clinical care, can be translated, that that occurs also in the skilled nursing facility. And on the flip side, the patient's perception was also very similar to the clinician in in that they thought they were going to be transitioning from an acute level of care to another acute level of care. But that's not so. So there needs to be some adjustments in the expectation. Anna recently experienced firsthand the disconnect between expectation and reality, and it made for an unforgettable impression. So my mother had multiple readmissions for heart failure. She went from acute care hospitals to skilled nursing facilities back to the hospital. And there were many changes in her medications um, because they were trying to regulate the fluid overload that she was having with heart failure. But at every point in time of a medical encounter, maybe at the acute care hospital or at another facility, the medications weren't updated. And that was a real challenge. I had to do the medication reconciliation at every step of the way. Now, I'm a nurse practitioner. I'm trained to do this. But so I can't imagine a non-clinician helping their loved ones navigate a system where there is some confusion and there is some loss in translation of their plan of care. Uh, we've had to you know, work hard at, at educating both the staff, patients, families, and caregivers about the realities um, of the SNF's capabilities. That's Adrian Goldberg, Director of Post-Acute Innovation and Special Projects at NYU Langone Health. In the past several years, Anna and Adrian have been collaborating with inpatient colleagues and that network to reduce readmissions, focusing on improving care handoffs. That means face-to-face or warm handoffs. Our education was to um, have the SNFs talk to our hospital staff members to tell them what was important to include in a discharge narrative, what was important to say on a warm handoff. These were things that were not obvious to the hospital discharging providers and the discharging nurses and the care managers and the social workers because they didn't really have the experience of stepping in the shoes of a skilled nursing facility who was receiving the patient for the first time and having to sift through, you know, maybe 30, 40, 50 pages and also not having the access to our electronic medical record to see historically what's in that patient's um, record. As they became aware of the challenges, they began to foster better communication. Anna describes how scripting made the difference. We wrote scripts for our social workers, for our care managers, and in some cases even for some of the surgeons uh, and their staff in the surgeon's office. So they would understand and also be able to articulate to the patient 
of that transition, if they needed to go to a skilled nursing facility, what would they expect to go or what, what would they expect to really experience in a skilled nursing facility versus what they have been experiencing in the acute care hospital? It was one of our key elements of education. I think the scripting has helped the staff because it gives them the language that they need to really describe what is this preferred provider relationship about. Um, Because we talk about a high degree of communication. We talk about the fact that we've vetted these facilities, that we hold them accountable. It has helped them in their discussions with patients and families and caregivers, you know, to share really what our model is, um, that care can exist beyond the four walls of the hospital. Building that network beyond the four walls of the hospital has taken time. Adrian describes how it began. We started this process six or seven years ago, around the time that we entered the Voluntary Bundle Payment Initiative. And we began by evaluating our skill nursing facility capabilities, what they were, what they offered, what they didn't offer, the programs they had in place, and also uh, identifying who those key contacts were in those facilities. But Anna recalls that their approach required trust, something not yet established. Here we are, the hospital coming to partner with them and that they necessarily didn't, they had trust in us, but it wasn't full trust. That had to evolve over time and that that took many, many years. So exchanging information was a little tricky in in the beginning. You know, we had to blind, obviously, all the names of the skilled nursing facility to show all the aggregate data that we have. But there was really clear open communication in terms of what were their best practices, but what were the other areas that they had tremendous opportunity for clinical growth And they weren't afraid to say that in an open forum with 15 other competitors in the room. Now we're in 2018, and I think they now have full trust in us that really it is a partnership. Adrian explains how the partnership plays out day to day. We held this rapid-fire feedback session once the SNFs developed their own uh, sepsis protocols, So basically, we divided our SNF partners into two groups by organization, because some of the organizations have more than one site. And, you know, we we told them, we're going to, you're going to post, we're going to have your sepsis protocol up on the screen for everyone to see. Are you okay with that? And I think all but one (laughs) uh, said that they were fine sharing their protocol, having it up on the screen so that not only our physicians could provide constructive feedback to those protocols and pathways, but also the other SNFs could learn from it. So SNF A and B asked SNF C and D, how did you do it? You know, did you have champions? The fact that we had this interdisciplinary work group from, you know, four or five different departments within within the medical center across the enterprise focusing on sepsis, you know, really demonstrated to us they understood the problem, but they also understood that they were part of the solution, that our clinicians and our staff could be part of the solution by assisting and, you know, helping the SNFs to improve their capabilities, teaching them and educating them and being a soundboard for some of their ideas. Even more remarkable is the openness to review and recognize needed improvement. Here's Anna. I think it's quite explicit when we do the monthly readmission reviews with the SNFs. And so we mark it as preventable or not preventable. And it's really great 
when we hear from the SNF, they said, you know, we could have prevented this readmission because we didn't do A, B, C, and D. I think that takes a lot of courage to admit that there's room for improvement there. But that conversation has become so much easier. It's not that we're on the other side as the hospital looking at the case and saying, <laughs> you know, this could have been preventable. We don't have to say that anymore. They say it to us. We could have done better. This patient should have stayed. We could have treated the patient here. And so I think that is a, a strong signal to us that this is working. As Anna and Adrian look back at what they've done over the last six years or so, they've revealed some simple but effective steps they took. We took our time and we take each challenge or, or gap or readmission case or problem, and we try to turn it around into an opportunity, whether that be a project or a system that we need to put in place. But we, we, you know, we spend a lot of time on looking at trends, identifying trends, and we're not focused on the, you know, if everything's great, that's wonderful. <laughs> but we're, we're really focused actually on the, on the negative trends. And what we tried to do over the six or seven years is, is hone in on those negative trends. And as you said before, dig deep, understand our data. I've spent a lot of time on case reviews, hundreds of cases that we've reviewed and charts and speaking to clinicians and understanding why uh, something occurred. And we're really focusing on reversing some of those negative trends and putting systems into place. We really relied a lot of feedback on the stakeholders in this entire uh, landscape. And so we interviewed the SNF and all their clinicians. We interviewed, you know, our clinicians. We interviewed senior leadership uh, in terms of their expectations. I think I honestly have to say, I, I think we did a good job. Thanks to Anna Mola and Adrian Goldberg from NYU Langone Health, and to all of you for listening to our podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Send your questions or comments to knowledge transfer at visientinc.com. Now from the PI Collaboratives and Knowledge Transfer teams, I'm Carolyn Helfenstein. Knowledge is transformational. Share it. Share it.